hoping to have a little bit of fun this morning. Because we are on part number four of our our do journey. And although this journey is about marriage, it's also about Jesus, and therefore it includes all of us. It includes those who are married, those who were married, and those who are yet to be married. For us that are married, our goal is to work, hence the word I do. It's an action word. We are to work towards a marriage that truly brings glory and honor to God. For you older folk, the more experienced folk, and more specifically to the older ladies, your goal is to train up. In other words, disciple younger ladies. Yes, well done, husbands. Your goal is to train up, disciple those younger ladies in how to love their, wa- how to love their husbands and children. Not their wives, that's very bad advice. I told you we were going to have some fun today. Raise up their children in a God-honoring way, the beautiful scripture in Titus. For those who are yet to marry, your goal is not to find Mr. and Miss Wright along this journey. Actually, it's about better, how can you become more Christ-like along this journey, and so you yourself become Mr. and Miss Wright. The reality is, though, people have different kinds of thoughts and ideas on marriage. These are often very far away from the design and the idea that God has for marriage. Seems that children know how to illustrate this best, or maybe they're just the honest ones. Following answers come from children aged 9 and 10. What do most people do on a date? Well, according to Mark, who's 10, he says, well, on a first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. How do you decide whom to marry? I love this. Probably my favorite. Well, Alan says this, also age 10. He says, you've got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports. And she should keep the chips and dip coming. (laughs) Is it better to be single or married? Well, Anita, I just want to say there's a special place in heaven for you. It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Because boys need someone to clean up after them. (laughs) How would you make your marriage work? Well, Ricky, also age 10, says, well, tell your wife that she looks pretty. Great advice. Even if she looks like a dump truck. (laughs) If there was one that my boy would come up, that's the one that he would have come up with. See, all fun and games, and not the greatest advice, but the reality is this, is that these answers come from children who have seen things modeled to them, either by their parents or by another married couple or an unmarried couple. And this is why we are on this journey, because we need help. So pray with me. Father, we commit this journey to you. Thank you, Lord, that marriage is your idea, not ours. And Father, I pray that as we journey, that you would open up our eyes to see what marriage truly is, Lord. You've created it for your glory, Father. I pray that as we journey, that you would open up our eyes to the enemy's schemes, Lord, that we wouldn't be distracted, but focus on you. And Father, I pray that you would help steer us towards repentance on this journey. For adding things to marriage that most certainly don't come from you. 
So thank you, Lord, that you want to change hearts. Thank you that you are steering us towards repentance. And Father, we want to bring you glory and honor through our marriages in Jesus' name. Very quiet. There we go. Thanks, Baba. <clears throat> so today, today I have the, the privilege of chatting around roles in marriage. And from our very informative case study that we did before the journey started, we found that, yes, there are issues surrounding roles in marriage. Just as much as there are issues surrounding finance in marriage, just as much as there are issues surrounding sex in marriage, and those two parts are coming up, so you most certainly don't want to miss those. But not so much because of the roles, not so much because of the finance, not so much because of the sex, but rather we find it's because of the lack of communication that we have these issues. <clears throat> and when it comes to roles, I think it's the lack of understanding of what biblical roles are, which is the biggest issue. When mentioning the word roles, one might be thinking, well, it's those things, those duties that a husband and wife simply have to get through to make it through the day. But I'm hoping today that honestly we can dig a little bit deeper than that. That we can peel back some layers, maybe toss off some baggage that we might have added to our marriage along the way. And find out what the core roles are that God has for us as husband and wife in our marriage. And for this reason, we will not be discussing who cooks dinner. We will not be discussing who takes up the rubbish and who feeds the kids, who strokes the dog and who kicks the cat. Because honestly, these duties and responsibilities will always vary from household to household, culture to culture. And they don't address the true roles that God has for us as husband and wife. And for time's sake this morning, we're not going to be even discussing the roles that God has for us as husband and wife when it comes to our children. I want to chat about dad and mom today. I can guarantee you today that most couples would admit, if they are brave enough, that their marriage has not always been what they hoped it would be. Let me give you an example. Take NBA player Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian, for example. Many of us would know Kim Kardashian, not the other bloke. He just plays football. 72 days after spending 191 million rand on the wedding, got divorced due to irreconcilable differences. Kim said this, I really had hoped that this marriage would last forever, but things don't always seem to work out the way as planned. Well, I just want to say to you, Kim, 72 days is a long way away from forever. See, the point of marriage, whether you believe in Jesus or not, is to actually represent Jesus by modeling out the gospel. Most people have a very different view on marriage. Most people want to have a happy marriage, and I want to say that God wants you to have a happy marriage. But if you're only in your marriage for happiness, then you're in for a bit of a culture shock. See, your marriage represents God to the world. As told by some of the kids' answers that we read earlier, we don't really represent it that well at times. So a question that I've been asking myself, and I want to ask you this morning to you, especially to you those who are married, is how, are, how well are you representing God in your marriage? See, good marriages are so rare in this world that when you are loving and faithful to Him, by being loving in your marriage, your marriage shines like a bright light in a very dark room. How we all step into our specific roles as husbands and wives will determine whether we hinder the gospel 
or we help it to change lives. <clears throat> I love that we find a beautiful model for marriage in the New Testament, which is the relationship between Jesus and his church. In this relationship, Christ is the bridegroom and the church is called the bride. And by looking at this simple model, we can find our fundamental roles to build our marriage on. So we're going to be reading from the book of Ephesians this morning, from chapter 5, and I'll be reading from verse 22 onwards. So studying the scripture, we see that the wife represents the church and the husband represents Christ. I love how many times this portion of scripture has been referenced to ladies to rebuke them. When in actual fact, Paul gives twice as much advice to husbands. So husbands, listen up. Ephesians 5.22 says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything. <clears throat> Let us tackle the most dangerous and contentious word in that entire piece of scripture, submit. Sadly, this concept is often misinterpreted. Many get offended by the word submission as if it points to a weak life dominated by negative self-image and simply the giving up of your free will. Some suppose that when a wife submits to her husband that she is to become her husband's slave she may never open her mouth again. She may never offer a suggestion, much less question her husband's behavior. I want to categorically state this morning that this is definitely not the biblical picture of what submission look, looks like because Christ never treated us this way. So what does it mean then? Well, biblically, it's to voluntarily yield yourself to a God-ordained authority, to voluntarily yield yourself to a God-obtained authority. For marriages, wives, it means that you are to voluntarily yield to your husband. Furthermore, if we read the scripture, it says, wives, you are to only submit to your own husband, singular, most certainly not plural. To submit is something that a person does to themselves, which means a wife should not, a wife should submit herself. Let me give you an example. When Yoli and I got married, I didn't lock her in a room and only allow her out on Tuesdays and Sundays until she learned how to submit. I locked her up the whole week. <laughs> so it's a terrible joke again. I told you, we're having fun this morning. To submit is something that a wife does herself. Legitimate marital submission is never forced upon anyone. Submission, and this is important to hear, please, never implies that one party is lesser than the other party. A wife and a husband are very much equal partners in a marriage. Yes, different functions to fulfill, different roles to live out, and different uh, duties to carry out, but they are equal partners in a marriage. Galatians 3.28 reminds us of this, where it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know that submission has nothing to do, and we're going on with submission, but it's an important topic. Submission has nothing to do with a person's worth or capability as well. 
For example, a wife is allowed to have a higher IQ than her husband, as in my marriage. I don't even know what IQ means. What does it stand for? A wife is allowed to run a five-kilometer race without passing out, as in Brent's marriage. But if we pull it all the way back and we have a look at what perfect submission truly looks like, we only need to look at Jesus. While he was equal to God, it says that Jesus submitted himself to God. See, Jesus and the Father, they're equal in deity. In other words, equal in status, but distinct in role. Equal in dignity, but different in duties. Jesus voluntarily yielded his will to the, his Father, but in doing so, he didn't become less than his Father. And if you follow on in that scripture, you'll see the beauty of it, where God says, because Jesus submitted, God elevated him to the highest place. As a wife, your role is to voluntarily submit to your husband. Well, how do we submit wives? Well, the scripture tells us two ways. Firstly, submit as to the Lord. As the wife submits to her husband, she also submits to Christ. Ultimately, a wife does not submit to her husband because he is so great. Actually, wives submit to your husband because Jesus is so great. Wives don't submit to their husbands because he washes the dishes or brings in the most money. Actually, no, they submit to their husband because Jesus is so great. Your submission, wives, is to Jesus, and this leads you to submitting to your husband. Paul says, your, wife, your role, wives, is to submit to your husband as to the Lord for one reason. It's because the husband is the head of the home. Interesting that this truth is actually addressed to the wives and never, ever addressed to the husbands. Husbands, we are not told to be the head of the wives or to lead the family. Headship is assumed. It's a fact. If you are a husband then you are the head. The question is, what kind of a head will you be? A wife chooses to submit to her husband as to the Lord because this is the very design of marriage. doesn't, once again, point to any form of superiority, but actually it points to a different role, and that is the role of the husband. This is one truth that probably scares me. Husbands, we will have to give an account for our marriages one day. We are the ones who will be accountable for our marriages one day. Regardless if our wife decides to bite the apple, we will have to give an account for our marriage. It certainly scared me, but you guys are taking it much better. Secondly, how do we, or how do you, as wives submit? Well, it says, as the church submits to Christ. What does this mean? Well, simply, the church follows the lead of Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. We are to follow the example that He sets. A wife's role is to submit by following her husband as he follows Christ. Husbands, ever wanted a more holy wife? Maybe they don't answer that while she's next to you. I've got a solution for you. Become more holy yourself because your submitted wife is following you. Husbands, it's about to get real. And ladies, I'm asking that you please don't zone out. Remember, if we look all the way back at Genesis, it says God made a helper who was just right 
Ladies, you have a responsibility of helping your husband to become more holy as well. Let's listen to Paul's instructions to the husbands, starting in verse 25. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did, not, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Husbands, just as Christ's love for the church is unconditional, so should our love be for our wives even when she is not deserving of that love. Christ gave himself for us while we are still sinners. In other words, we will not be the most lovable at that time, and yet he still chose to love us unconditionally. Since wives are, are asked to submit, you, you can imagine that Paul will say to the husbands, guys, you need to rule and lead your husbands in appropriate ways. But he doesn't. What he says is, Husbands, you need to love your wives. The analogy between husbands and Christ is not linked with headship, but actually it's linked with love. So how do we do this, husbands? Well, two ways from the scripture as well. We love by giving ourselves up for our wives. Husband, our role is to lovingly sacrifice for our wives. I want to remind you that, church, that Christ died for the church the church never died for Christ. John 15, 13 says, there is no greater love than the one who lays down his life. Philippians chapter two also offers another picture uh, of Christ's sacrificial love that we are actually called to imitate. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as, of a slave and was born as a human being. Although he is God, he gave up his life for ours. Although we have the authority of being in the, uh, the authority of headship, we shouldn't cling on to that. Rather, we should choose to humbly submit ourselves as well for the benefit of our wives. If it's raining outside, another terrible example, but if it's raining outside and you, the husband, have an umbrella, you worked hard for it. You saved all your pennies. It's a very fancy umbrella. You're going to give it to your wife, right? Right, Kepler? Please say yes. You're going to give it to your wife, not because she asked you to out of oblig or out of obligation, but because you love her. Husbands, again, I'm asking myself the question before I'm asking you is, when was the last time you sacrificed something for your wife? When was the last time you gave something up for her? In verse 26 and 27, it says, Jesus makes the church holy. It's a beautiful picture. Husbands, this is our role, to lead our wives into holiness. Many of us seek happiness, and God wants us to be happy. The problem is when our foundation, if our, if our marriage is only built on happiness, when the foundation of our marriage happiness shakes, then we simply just want to run for the hills. We want to give ourselves up for our wife's ultimate good 
and she will be radiant in response to your love. Second way we are to love our wives, which we find in verse 28, is by caring for her as you do for your own body. How does Christ love the church? He treats her tenderly. He takes care of it. He nurtures it by being there for us, by strengthening us, by helping us grow. I love older versions says that we are to cherish our wife. How's that for an old school word? Cherish our wife. Husbands, do we treat our wives with tender care or do we treat her objectively like a business partner? And I'm challenged by this because sometimes we do. We bring our, our work attitudes home and we treat our wives like work employees or associates. Cherish our, cherish our wife. Hold her hand. Open doors. Make a fuss over her. Adore her. Be tender with her. Value her. Honor her. I know it sounds super simple, but I think we've lost some of those things over the, over the years, men. You know, opening the car door for a wife is not an old school practice. Actually, it could become a new school norm. It should be. Cherish your wife. 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may, be the weaker, she may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, again, can I ask, do you put your wife's needs first before putting your needs? Do you watch the Home and Garden channel and the MasterChef channel, or is it only about Formula One and rugby? Well done to the Springboks, by the way, they did well. (laughs) Our relationship as husbands and wives is based on Jesus and his submission to his father and his love for his church. As husbands and wives, our marriages model Jesus and the church to the world. Fundamentally, a husband's role is to sacrificially love his wife as Christ does the church. Fundamentally, a wife's role is to respectfully submit to her husband as to the Lord. The primary purpose of marriage is not happiness, but actually it's to carry out Christ's mission of holiness. Really trusting that, uh, that God would speak to each and every one of us during this journey. Again, the married, the unmarried, the yet to be married. I've taken a scripture and I've basically read it to you. And so, yes, it's a simple message, but God's word penetrates. And I'm trusting that he would speak to you this morning. I had to share at our midweek service the same message. And it was difficult. But I'm trusting that God would have spoken to them because we know he does speak and he wants to change lives. So very quickly as we land, how do we get better at playing our roles, at living out our roles. Remind ourselves constantly that marriage is God's idea, not ours. We are cast into these roles by himself. He's the screenwriter. He's the director. We are to play his roles and not our preconceived ideas for our own marriages. Stop comparing what you do versus what your spouse does. Guilty. Just being honest, 
None of you, also, you never compare. Been slaving all day, it's just me. Marriage is about giving, it's actually not about getting. Jesus, being the yardstick once again. Allow your spouse to do things for you, please. And spouse, when you're doing things for your partner, please don't complain, during or after. Make time to talk rather than finding time to talk. We know this journey speaks about a communication issue as well. Make time to talk rather than just finding time to talk. We live busy lives, all of us. We will always find things to fill our time. If we don't make time to spend with our spouse, to speak with our spouse, we simply won't find it. I love Jesus. Jesus never had time. Always on a mission and yet interrupted, but yet he, he made time. Make time. Don't just find time. And lastly, pray for one another. Contend for one another. When last did you pray for your spouse earnestly? Honestly, the best thing that can happen to your spouse is that they step into the godly role that he has for them. And you will benefit, not that we do it for the benefits, but your marriage will be all the much better because they are living out their role perfectly. I really do. I love. Got a a little testimony posted on our leaders group, group about husband and wife just doing some of their morning reading and you know the wife saying hey, I need some prayer for something specific and the husband and wife just sat in the quietness of their room praying for one another and there's so much freedom and liberation in just praying for your spouse take the time pray for your spouse contend for them pray that they step into the role that God has for them pray that God's word would stir you as a husband as a wife I pray that it would stir you even if you're not married that you would become Mr. and Miss Right yourself as you reflect Jesus. Won't you stand, please? So, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your words. We thank you for, yeah, Lord, a simple word. But yet, I know, Father, that it's not about what we do, but about what you do. I'm trusting that you would stir something up inside of hearts this morning, Lord, that you would come and speak to us as husbands and wives, even those that are not married, those that have been married, Father. We know that you don't come to condemn, Lord, but you want to adjust hearts. You want to make some changes. You want to transform us, Lord. I pray, Father, that Outlook Church would be a church known for not just marriages, but for great marriages, Lord. Marriages that bring you much glory and much honor. Thank you for this journey, Lord. Thank you that I believe that you do want to transform us. You want to help us. You want to guide us into becoming more holy. And thank you for the testimonies, Lord, where we're going to get some good feedback just from what this journey has done, what you have done throughout this journey. Strengthen us as husband and wife. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say.